0-29 electric vehicles. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Car Guy. My name is Greg McCoy. We are here on PeoriaLife.com, and I'm here with my host, guest host, or not guest host, co-host, uh, Brett Beachler. How are you doing, Brett? Good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, this is kind of an exciting day. Yes, it is. We are recording on August 11th, 2016, and actually, we are going to be feeding this live into Facebook. So if you happen to run across this as we are recording it, you are welcome to enter questions onto Facebook, Peoria Life dot com or Peoria Life in Facebook, and we'd be happy to address those questions. Otherwise, if you're hearing us on a podcast, you're going to be hearing this a week later, a week from today. So, Correct. All right. The subject is electric vehicles. Uh, before we get into that, I did have a question for you. Go ahead. You've been watching the Olympics? Yes. Has anyone ever told you that you look a lot like Michael Phelps? You are now the fifth or sixth person that has told me that. <laughs> and my <laughs> wife thinks everybody's crazy, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've been told that several times. I, I, don't... I told my wife that. Actually, my son mentioned it to me, and then I mentioned it to my wife. She said, oh, you're crazy. And then we watched it last night, and he came on the screen, and she said, you're right. Yeah, he's he's an incredible <laughs> athlete, isn't he? <laughs> he Amazing. looks just like you. Yeah, I don't know about the just like me, but maybe a couple similarities. But Some of those famous people sometimes hire doubles, you know, double yeah, face doubles. I could, I could get into that. Perhaps you could make some extra I don't cash. know about the build of the guy. He's, he's a pretty built guy, but... Uh, um, what a stud. I was a swimmer long ago, but not, not anymore. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about electric vehicles. Um, electric vehicles are kind of a, a thing these yeah, days, Yeah, they are. Right? You hear a lot about electric vehicles. Um, you don't see a lot sold, but you, you do hear quite often about electric, electric vehicles and how they're going to be the future. And, you know, I got a friend of mine down in Houston, Texas, and he is a ranter and a raver about electric vehicles. Positively? Or um, positively, actually. <laughs> and I, I'm not necessarily negative toward them, but as you have known for some time, Greg, I'm kind of a numbers guy. And I like no, looking at numbers and facts and everything that goes with it. I am all for a technology that can essentially stand on its own two feet. And I think most people on this show are aware that most technologies, gas, electric, wind, uh, oil, they're all subsidized to a certain degree by our government, which is in turn us as taxpayers. Um, it all depends on wh how much per kilowatt is subsidized. You know, you go to the, the oil section. And it depends how much you've contributed to which campaign. So. That's exactly right. Yeah. You go to the oil section, they're subsidized to a certain degree, not very much. Very small amount, and I'm not an oil guy, but then you take that scale and you go all the way out to wind, and it's tremendously subsidized. I did a study on it years ago. Um, I mean, basically, if you and I as taxpayers didn't support wind and solar, it would never be there. It, it just can't stand on its own two feet. So we get into, you know, I, I, I read a bunch of articles and blogs, and I've read books on this. Um, uh, you know, specifically dealing with electric vehicles, and I, I'm sitting there going, okay. Where is the cost benefit to the consumer? Okay. And part of it's artificial um, when you get into it, which is kind of unfortunate because um, it would be nice to see technology like this take off. But I'll get into some of the numbers here in, in, in momentarily. But um, one of the numbers I, that, we, that I studied and I looked at was the depreciation value of electric cars. Okay. And you and I have talked about, you know, one of the numbers that comes up with the average gasoline vehicle loses loses 60% of its value in the first four years. So let's bounce to kind of a popular one called the Nissan Leaf. Um, pretty small car. I think it, it can fit four or five people in it. 
um, it actually, after three years, is only 22% of its MSRP, which... Really? I'm surprised at that. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, a five-year-old leaf drops down to 11%. So if you buy a car for $40,000, it's worth about $4,300 in five years. Now, why is that, do you think? You know, I, I don't know exactly the reasons behind it. I know the numbers. Um, you know, I think what you're getting into is is the market that is out there for people to buy these things. I don't think a lot of people are buying into the electric car phase. Um, for one, one reason it's popular, and I talk about this in this talk, is is the fact that it makes you look more green. And I'll cite an article, and they talk about Justin Bieber in this article and why his manager bought him a car. But the the, the other side of it is to replace one of these batteries is thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. And to replace an engine, of course, is thousands of dollars, but the engines last much, much longer than the batteries do. Um, then you get into the raw material it takes to make these batteries. So I think that's generally why people um, stay away from those cars, and they don't. most people don't know what they're getting into when it comes to this. So it's that, that power of the human brain where, okay, I, I don't know exactly what's going on with these things, so I'm going to just stay away from it. Um, is that a good or bad thing? I don't think it's either one, but that's just human nature and that's the way it is. Um, but you jump to the Chevy Volt and it's not nearly as bad. Um, after three years, it's, it's 31% of its MSRP. Okay. Um, and and as I mentioned before, the gasoline vehicle, the average is 60%. Um, I'm, I'm twisting numbers around here, 60%. Reduction. So, if you buy a twenty-eight thousand dollar car, brand new, it's worth about eleven to thirteen thousand dollars after three years, or four years. I'm sorry. This is I've got this reversed here (laughs) that the Chevy Volt is actually thirty-one percent of its MSRP. So, whatever you paid for that, it's only worth thirty-one percent of the value. But surprisingly, the one that's doing really well is called is a company called Tesla. Um, Their three-year average, their the value of it's sixty-two percent after three years. So if you buy a, okay, let's pick on it for just a second. So if you buy a $100,000 Tesla, which is about the cost of one of those cars. A little bit more than that, actually. Yeah, you're probably right. A little bit more than that. It's worth 62000 But I look at that and I go, okay, you bought a $100,000 car. You drove it for three years. And it's now worth $38,000 less. That's the price of a car that would last you 15 years. And that, that to me, I, again, I'm a numbers guy. We're looking at numbers. is a lot of money. Um, So you got to look at these numbers and you got to step back and go, do I really want to enter into this phase? And that's just talking about depreciation. You know, one of the things they talk about in this article, and I was was telling you about Justin Bieber, here's a great quote. Justin Bieber's manager bought him a car. He said, quote, we wanted to make sure since you love cars that when you're on the road and you're always looking environmentally friendly, and we decided to get you a car that would make you stand out a little bit. That was the whole purpose behind buying a $100,000 Tesla for Justin Bieber. It's amazing when you start looking at this and start analyzing this thing. The average income, the average income of a Chevy Volt buyer is $170,000. And I'll get into this a little bit, but basically what's going on is the taxpayers are subsidizing the more well-to-do to to buy their cars. Mm -hmm. And amazingly, people are buying into it. It's funny how that works. It, it is it is crazy how it works, but it is what it is. That's what's going on, and the facts, and, and pretty much what I'll do on this article is I'll put it on my blog. Um, it's written by a, a genius professor who is not 
a pro oil guy. He's, he's simply laying out the facts on electric cars. That's all he is doing. And, and, and making this case for electric cars that it really is not the way to go. Maybe someday he said the technology will get there to where it'll be cost beneficial. Um, but one of the things he looked at, this is incredible. Okay. I gotta, I gotta lay this out here. So there, there are approximately 24 governments around the world that subsidize the purchase of electric vehicle, meaning Greg, you go out and buy an electric car. The government gives you a quote unquote rebate back. So they'll help you buy this car is essentially what they're doing. Okay. The governments in Ontario and Quebec pay drivers up to $8,500. The UK, England, uh, pays about 5,000 pounds. The U.S. federal government provides up to, hang on, let me translate that. The U.S. federal government, i.e. us taxpayers, give $7,500 in tax credit for people who buy plug-in electric vehicles. And that's interesting because, as you've mentioned, tax, taxes are paid by average, average everyday people, people making forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year. Yes. So those people that are making forty or $50,000 a year are paying somebody who makes $300,000 a year. Yes. Buy a car. I want everybody to be <clears throat> very clear on that, and I'm glad you pointed that out. The average person is not buying an electric vehicle. So it's a subsidy for the rich, basically. It's a subsidy for the rich. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep going. So California brings a total credit up to $10,000, so they ante up to an, another $2,500. Colorado combined credits, $13,500. Hmm. This is the base price of a brand-new Ford Fiesta which is a pretty decent car. It's kind of an entry-level car for people to get into, and Ford makes a tremendous product, and we're, we're subsidizing this. And it is incredible that we are buying into this. Here's another really interesting one. West Virginia offers the sweetest deal, which is really heavy into coal mining, right? Okay. Um, they, they give a total credit for up to $15,000 for an electric car purchase and up to $10,000 for you to put a plug-in station at your home. Wow. So West Virginia? West Virginia. Wow. So if you're going to buy an electric car, you should move to West, yeah. West Virginia. <laughs> if you're going to buy an electric car. Um, you know, here's other perks. If you if you have a uh, an electric car, 10 US states open the high occupancy lanes, which are really stringent on. I've been in these lanes, you've been in these lanes. They want multiple people and they're giving basically a right away for people who are um, you know, riding together to work, um, commuting with each other. But then they allow the electric vehicles to get in this lane with one person. Why? You know, are we trying to make this taste really sweet for these people? Well, it's um, another example of the government picking winners and losers. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I, I, I trust me, I'm not trying to sound like a negative nanny, but I want people to know the true facts behind what's going on with electric cars. Um, you know, we have a customer that comes in and, and he bought a hybrid and his statement to us is, and this is an, this is an anecdotal deal, but it kind of goes with the Justin Bieber deal. He said, I didn't buy it for the financial aspect. I bought it to make a statement. So let's, let's get into more. Our, so the next question is, are electric cars really green? You know, and every, it, here's what goes on with human minds. As we go into this electric car situation, we go, you go smell the exhaust on an electric car. Okay, there is no exhaust, and it makes you feel really good. But that exhaust is coming from somewhere. It's coming from a coal plant. It's coming from a nuclear plant. It's coming from somewhere. Okay. So are they really green? So we start getting into this. Um, Great Britain did a research study on their electric cars, and it said it only lowered their emissions by 2% with electric cars. So, Well, the other aspect 
with respect to the question of are they really green is where the raw materials come from yep. for the battery. You're yep. probably going to get to that. That's a, that's a great question, and, and people – That's a real issue. It, it's a real issue, and it's – it's a. Um, You'd almost have to read this article to, in, in your quiet time to wrap your head around it. Um, we'll go through a couple more of these things. The Congressional bud, uh, Budget Office study found that electric car subsidies will, quote-unquote, result in little or no reduction in the total gasoline use and greenhouse gas emissions of the nation's fleet over the next several years. So there's study after study after study in here. And um, interesting, he, he points out the facts. He says, why are the assessments so mixed? Because some will say they're great. Some will say they're not great. And, and he says basically what it boils down to is values and following the money trail. Because he, he goes into, like the University of California, Davis, it describes itself as a quote-unquote hub of collaboration and research and plug-in hybrid and electric vehicles for the state of California. Acknowledges partnerships with companies like BMW, Chrysler, Fiat, Nissan, all of which are developing electric and hybrid vehicles. Stanford's Global Climate uh, and Energy Project publishes research on electric vehicles, has received $113 million from four firms, Exxon Mobil, General Electric, Schlumberger, and Toyota. He really gets into following the money trail on electric cars and what's truly out there because it's not saying these studies are erroneous at all. He's saying essentially what's going on with these, these studies is these companies can dictate what questions to ask, what questions not to ask. And they start getting into, um, okay, we don't really want to know that part of it, but we want to know this part of it. It's really, really interesting. He lays out a great case and he says, quote unquote, for one, it influences which studies get done and therefore which ones eventually receive media attention. Because in our day and age, that's really what it's about is how much media attention something gets, good or bad. Would we both agree to that? Yes. Yeah. We know, we, <clears throat> unfortunately. We um, he said one, one of the other things he said is relatively easy to calculate the amount of energy required to charge a vehicle's battery. It isn't so straightforward, however, to compare a battery that's been charged by electricity from a natural gas-fired power plant with one that's been charged use, or one that's been charged using a nuclear power plant. So all these numbers are very, very difficult to study and manage. Um, in the end, we look at these electric cars, we look at the subsidies that go into it. It is absolutely um, kind of knocks your socks off to think that they are subsidized so much. And then here's another really interesting aspect of it. You asked me about the solar cells, okay? batteries okay batteries and solar cells oh, solar cells solar cells they talk about putting these solar cells on cars which is all fine and dandy he says they have very venomous effects he said solar cells contain heavy metals and their manufacturing releases greenhouse gases such as sulfur hexafluoride which has 23,000 times as much global warming potential as co2 hmm. so we got all these people these politicians that are worried about these co2 emissions but then we want to go out and max out the solar panel production, which is all fine and dandy. But we don't look at this number, which has 23, let me repeat that, 23,000 times the global warming effect as CO2 does. So are, are we really in this to hug a tree, to save, um, you know, the earth and all those things? If you really get down to it, it, it the, the cost benefit is not there for us as taxpayers. And it's not necessarily there. Well, if it continues as subsidies, it's there as a purchaser. But essentially, remember what I said, the Chevy, average Chevy Volt buyer is making $170,000 a year, not your average American who's making 40, 50, 60, 30, 
$70,000 a year. So it it's amazing when you start following money trails in any situation like this. So Now, the proponents of electric cars would argue a number of things mm-hmm. in contrast to that. For example, they would say, okay, all these problems exist, but <clears throat> we're just in the initial stages. We're in the ramp-up. We're in the development. We're in the uh, prototype stage, mm-hmm. and we'll address these problems, and they'll get better. Well, one of the things they say is they're not measuring the production, the start-to-finish aspect of these cars. They're simply measuring the energy consumption of the cars during its life. You know, one of the things they said was battery packs are actually a third of the weight of a car. Okay. So what that means is basically most damages are actually coming from stages other than just driving the vehicle. Um, you know, you look at the Tesla Roadster, um, it says, as a result, electric car components may con- that contain many lightweight materials that are energy intensive to produce and process. So basically what, what that means is the battery weighs so much that they have to engineer technology in the car that puts all these lighter components, which are more expensive, and they take much more energy, and there's more side effects from produ- producing these components into vehicles. Um, so you got to kind of watch the big picture of all this stuff that's going on. You, you know, one of the things he said, the magnets in the motors of some electric vehicles contain very rare earth materials. Okay. So now we're getting into the nuts and bolts and it says MIT researchers calculated that global mining of two rare earth metals, neodymium and disoprisium would need to increase 700% and 2,600% respectively in order to, over the next 25 years to keep pace with various green tech plans. Okay, so what that means is we don't have enough raw materials to do all these things. Like, you know, President Obama wanted to have a million electric cars on the road by 2015, which was a pie in the sky. You know, it was a great, great thing he said, you know, in, in the green fashion of the world, but it wasn't feasible. It wasn't, it wasn't even possible to do something like that. Do you know where most of that rare earth material comes from? Uh, you know, the one of the places it says is China. China. They have most of the market. And what's interesting is China is putting more of a restriction on its exports like the rare materials. So we in this country are boasting on all these electric vehicles and the things that go with it. And Europe is too. They're, they're on it too, but not nearly as much as our country. And we're having a tug of war with China right now. And I don't think it's ever going to end, to be honest with you. It may. Um, but yeah. therein lies the problem. You start squeezing the supply of something, prices go up. Next thing you know, the cars go to seventy, eighty thousand, hundred thousand dollars 100000 The government's got to increase their subsidy going into it in order to, for people to buy these things. Um, but the, the, the numbers just don't pan out. Now, it will be interesting to see, with respect, for example, to the rare earth issue, China's controlling supply, price goes up, does that cause human ingenuity to come into it and somebody out there will design around that and eliminate that from the design? I don't know. You know what? Who knows? Uh, that's what I love, the free market. That's what I love about the free market is I- I'm hopeful that that will take over. Um, you know, and p- people may look at this and go, well, you know, you guys work on gasoline cars, so, you know, you, you, have, a, you have an intrinsic invested you know, uh, head in this game to go, no, we want to continue working on these cars. Honestly, it's not that big of a deal. You, you buy, you find a technician that 
works on electric cars. If they, they start increasing, you go, hey, would you like to come work for me for X amount of dollars? I'd love to do that. Here you go. But the game is not there. It's not there. Now, in certain places like Colorado where you have these heavy subsidies, you're going to have to have technicians to work on these things. It's going to happen. But I still go back to the subsidy aspect. $7,500 minimum, minimum in this country to get one of these electric cars. That's a chunk of change. The problem with that, of course, is with electric cars, uh, solar panels, wind machines, and so forth, the government subsidies are always supposed to be temporary. They're oh, for yeah. 10, 15 years, and then uh, the industry will take off and we'll get rid of the subsidies and everything will be fine. Yeah, but that just never seems to happen. We're supposed to be weaning them off, aren't yeah, we? we're supposed to be weaning them off, but I, I just, I, the weaning you know, isn't going too well. Basically, with all these th- this factual information that I've read, I don't foresee, and I'm, I'm not a doomsdayer, I, I just don't foresee us getting off that subsidy. Um, the $7,500 subsidy. I would love to see it. Um, but, you know, one of the other things he says, the lifetime difference in <coughs> greenhouse gas emissions between vehicles powered by batteries and those powered by low sulfur, sulfur, sulfur diesel, for example, is hardly discernible. And that's, you got to remember, it's start to finish. You know, another one here, a Norwegian study published last, last October in the Journal of Industrial Ecology compared life cycle impacts of electric vehicles. They said, quote, unquote, Electric vehicles consistently perform worse or on par with modern industrial combustion engine vehicles, despite virtually zero direct emissions during operation. So now, again, I have heard to finish. A, I have heard a counter argument to something like mm-hmm. that, and that is, let's say you have a situation where you have a large city, a million vehicles, mm-hmm. and old situation, all those million vehicles are individual internal combustion engines, so they're one million individual power plants, mm-hmm. as opposed to if there were 1 million electric vehicles and all getting their electric electricity from one power plant sitting over here, from the standpoint of pollution, you could control that one source a whole lot better than you control these million sources. Mm-hmm. So that's just a... Well, interestingly, he addresses that in the article. He says, basically, you're shifting the pollution away from very rich populations to poor populations. So let's look at that from a human standpoint. Is that the right thing to do? Because the bottom line is the way government's going, let's all admit it, it's going to be very expensive to fire up coal-powered plants in this country, extremely expensive. So we've got to go with what we have between coal-powered plants and nuclear facilities. You know, one of the things he pointed out is basically you're going to take these electric vehicles and you're going to transfer the emissions from the electric vehicles to these poor communities where generally where the, you know, coal is mined and the coal goes to the power plants, and then they get to put up with all the pollution that comes from the coal-powered plants. And there hasn't been a nuclear power plant license issued in the United States for over 20 years. Yeah, and I I don't necessarily foresee it happening. Um, And nuclear is great, but I read a study years ago that basically said if we were to magically snap our fingers and basically build a bunch of nuclear power plants around the world that could power everything, We'd only have enough uranium to supply the world for 100 years. So nuclear is not necessarily the big picture answer. That's kind of funny. You know, back in the 50s, when nuclear power was first coming on, Mm -hmm. the advocates were saying that this was going to be so cheap, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't even bother putting meters on the houses because nuclear power would be so cheap. Yeah. That didn't quite work out. That's a good point. It didn't quite work out that way, or it's not working out that way. So, Um, But the studies bounce all over the place. University of Tennessee did a study. Um, you know, we talk about this pollution in the cities, um, 34 Chinese cities, um, they came to a, con- a similar conclusion with basically what the Norwegian study said. 
He said the total negative health consequences of electric vehicles in China exceeded those of conventional vehicles. So study after study after study is basically telling people that look at the big picture. The electric cars, yeah, they don't emit any emissions at the car, but in the end between production and they talked about decommissioning of, of certain uh, power plants, decommissioning of cars when they when they go out. It's very, very expensive to do that because you have to recycle these batteries in the proper way because if the batteries are not recycled in the proper way, it's very destructive on, on, our, on our environment. So it's a very high-energy vehicle that goes in production start to finish. Now let's shift the discussion a little bit okay. with our remaining time. <clears throat> um, I have several comments. I'm not sure we'll get all of them in, but uh, – with respect to the cost of maintenance mm-hmm. of an electric vehicle versus the cost of maintenance of a, an internal combustion mm-hmm. engine, can you compare that? Now, a lot of people will say it's a whole lot cheaper to maintain an electric vehicle because, for example, you don't have any oh, yeah. internal combustion engine. Mm-hmm. You don't have a timing chain that's going to go off. You mm-hmm. don't have uh, a head that can go bad. You don't have a muffler. You don't have a radiator. You don't ever change the oil, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And so what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm not necessarily opposed to that at all. I mean, of course, the maintenance cost per mile on most vehicles come down tremendously. I mean, a lot of these things you're doing every 100,000 miles. um, And they're they're pennies, pennies on the dollar compared to your battery goes out and you got to go write a check for $9,000 for a battery and then dispose of it properly and the whole ball in the whole big picture that goes with it. So I, I, I don't necessarily buy into that argument. But I'd be willing to study the numbers and look at that. Um, you know, of course, they still have tires. They still have brakes. Um, those types of things are still going to wear out on cars. Um, but overall, it might be a good argument for it. But I, I don't have the numbers to back it up either way. So, but that's a, that's a great question. So, you know, one of the things he made a comment on, he said, basically, what, what we should be doing as a country is we should be putting more effort. If this is, if, if going green is so important to our country, we should be putting more effort into a broad array of transportation options such as walking, bicycling, and mass transit, period. <laughs> you know, everybody likes to tout trains as like the great transportation method, but I've, I've seen studies on trains versus buses, and it hands down buses are the way to go from city to city um, because of the amount of weight it takes to move these train or the amount of energy it takes to move these tremendously heavy trains to move people from place to place. And just the infrastructure cost. Just the I infrastructure mean, cost alone. We've yeah. got the interstates. If if you follow the the controversy and, and the debacle in California mm-hmm. over the bullet train, mm-hmm. uh, and that's you know they always say, well, this is going to cost ten ten billion dollars. Well, yes. then it multiplies to twenty mm-hmm. to forty to eighty yeah. to a hundred. And it just, it just gets to be ridiculous. It, it, it happens like that everywhere. I think we were down in um, Kansas City, same deal. They had a little train that went back and forth, and it was an, the original expense was this amount, and it went up to that amount, and the taxpayers are stuck with the, the overage amount, period. Um, so trains, I don't believe, are the answer. Yeah, they're nostalgic and they're fun to ride on, but you know, I've ridden on a few trains myself, and uh, there are a lot of stops. You had to stop for all the, you know, the, the guys that are doing business on the track, so I don't know if that's necessarily – the way to go. So, you know, if we really want to get green, I think, you know, the, the ultimate end of it is big picture wise, start looking at living closer to where you work, being more concentric, you know, back in the days before the big oil boom came out, everybody lived within walking distance of grocery stores and things like that. I'm not saying we got to go back to horse and buggies. I'm not saying that, but I think if everybody wants to go hug a tree and be green, and I love the outdoors just as much as the next guy, 
we need to step away from this electric car aspect and start looking at other viable alternatives like, you know, a car that gets 50 miles a gallon that costs $10,000 versus a, you know, $50,000 electric car that's heavily subsidized or getting on your bicycle. I mean, we've talked about bicycling and, you know, you go to towns like Minneapolis, heavy into bicycle commuting and people go, how do they do that in the winter? They just bundle up and they ride their bikes. That's just the way it is. So, um, I, 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 this whole broadcast was just about bringing, identity to what really is going on in the, the electric car industry and i will post it on my blog um it'll be there probably today or tomorrow and people are welcome to go take a look at this article and i'll, I'll put a couple articles up there so all right well it looks like we've done it again done it again half hour talking about electric vehicles so again we are starting to broadcast this live on facebook as we do this and you're welcome to join us there and submit questions on Facebook, and uh, Brett will be happy to address your questions. Or if anybody has a questions, they're also welcome to go to PeoriaLife.com and enter them there through the car guy. Or if you're in Peoria, you can stop by Beachler's at the corner of uh, War Memorial and University. Mm-hmm. Is there any road work going on there still? Yeah, there's a lot of road work going on there right now. Yeah, man. <laughs> Unfortunately. But uh, anyway, if you got questions, get them to Brett. He'd be happy to deal with them. So, again, this has been the car guy on PeoriaLife.com. I'm Greg McCoy with Brett Beachler. Thanks for joining us.